for joining us. I pray that today's message will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and energize your faith. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. The most important thing in our life is what we believe about God, not that we believe in Him. Let's take a look at part one of If God is Good. Today, I want to talk to you about the most important thing about you. And the most important thing about any person is what you believe about God. Does he exist? Is he mad? Does he care? Is he distant? Is he loving? Is he a rewarder? Is he vengeful? Is he just waiting for you to mess up? I mean, there are so many Christians even think God's just waiting for him to mess up. He's got a big fly swatter in heaven. He's going to go whack him. Does he value you? Right. Uh, what, does, what, what do you think about God? Again, there, there's people who think that God doesn't even exist. Uh, how many of you have noticed there have been a lot of mass shootings going on? And, and I, I know some people blame guns. Uh, I personally blame our educational system. Because when you're taught there is no God, all right, that you come from a bunch of slime that one day somehow became a tadpole, grew legs and a tail, got out of the water, grew some hair, climbed a tree, ate a banana. One day, somehow, got a briefcase and showed up for work. (laughs) Listen, listen, if there is no purpose to life, if your life has no real value, if there is no real right and wrong, if there is no judgment day, is it any wonder people are crazy? Right. And, and there's a lot of people that they really, honestly, they think God's mad at them, and other people think, well, I should say it this way, they're mad at God. Ted Turner had a very troubled childhood. When he was 15 years old, his sister died of lupus. He said, I lost my religious belief when my sister got lupus. She was 12 at the time. She died at 17. When I was 15, she got it. She became ill. It ruined her mind. She became insane. She used to go around the apartment and run into the padded walls and say, God, I'm in such plain pain. Please kill me. Ted's father, who eventually killed himself by firing a bullet into his brain, renounced religion. Said, if that's the type of God he is, I want nothing to do with him. Shortly thereafter, Ted himself abandoned all semblance of faith. That decision demonstrated himself in a number of ways in the ensuing years. He became profane, hard-drinking row, get some idea of his character. He said to one of his wives, he says, my business comes first, my boat comes second, and you come third. Uh, when, when you don't believe that God exists, you will try to find a purpose for your life. In fact, there are literally, there are seminars that you go to that will tell you there is no purpose to life, so you better find one. Make one up and pursue it and tell yourself it's important. All right? 
Uh, the famed atheist, Richard Dawkins, when he gave an assessment of human worth, it's kind of depressing, but I don't think he's mistaken for an atheist. He said, there is at the bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pointless indifference, and we are machines propagating DNA. You know, if you believe there is no God, is it any wonder so many people that have that belief are depressed, hopeless, turn to materialism, and are very sarcastic about life? I think it's interesting, even people who do believe in God blame God for every bad thing that happens. There's a hurricane, it's an act of God. Lightning strikes, it's an act of God. Something happens that's bad, you know, some storm, it's just an act of God. A lot of people just think he's mad, in fact, particularly, even in Christian circles. Uh, some people think, you know, God the Father's mad, don't really want to talk to him. Uh, they say Jesus and they see him on a cross, you know, with the crown of thorns and they kind of pity Jesus. And uh, they, they actually think, well, you know, maybe Mary can help me. She understands. All right. But uh, I just want to say to you that that is not a proper picture of God or of Jesus. All right. uh, some have a good cop, bad cop mentality. You know, God's causing all sorts of trouble and Jesus is trying to help us out. Uh, Jesus said this. He said, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself cannot stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. And how then can his kingdom stand? The person who says, well, God makes them sick and Jesus heals them. How I many know oh, that's a kingdom divided against itself? Right. I will say this. One of the greatest signs that there can be in your life is that you have a hunger for God. Uh, it, it leads to a greater destiny, to purpose, and to fulfillment. Uh, you look at your Bible and you'll find that Jesus worked against tragedy that were devouring people's lives and tried to bring restoration and healing. I want to ask you, how many sick people came to Jesus and left afflicted and disappointed? How many times did Jesus tell a person the problem was God the Father trying to teach them a lesson and ultimately make them more like him. How many diseased people did he try to explain that it just wasn't God's timing for them to get well? How many tormented people did he leave in that condition saying, oh, this is just the result of your bad choices? Now, how many, you know, it may have been their bad choices that got them there, but Jesus didn't say, well, tough. Tough luck, right? Uh, he not only lived differently from what the common understanding of God was for the day, he lived in complete contradiction of what the common understanding of God was in his day. And let me just say that for the most part, God really is completely different than most people think that he is. Completely different. And uh, let me just say something right now. That you're thinking, well, I'm thinking of this, I'm thinking of that. Let me just say this. Jesus 
is perfect theology. In other words, if you want to find out what God is like, the place that you go is you go to Jesus. Literally in in, uh, Hebrews 1 in verse 3, it says that he is the perfect representation of God. The perfect representation. There's a lot of people that have messed it up. Uh, As I was preparing for this message, I read about one well-known actor while he was in Europe. He was abused sexually by a member of the clergy and as a result, turned away from God. How many of you know some Christian, some place that did something wrong? Let me just say, they were not a good representation of God. Jesus is the perfect representation of God. But God gets blamed for everything, all sorts of bad things. Now, in 2 Kings chapter 6, there is a famine in Samaria. And the famine gets to the point where the Bible says a donkey's head is sold for 80 shekels of silver. Now, that may not impress you, but a worker made two shekels a month. So we're talking years of wages for a donkey's head, right? And a half a quart of dove doo-doo for 10 weeks' wages. That's famine. Uh, the king is outside and he's, he's walking and a, a woman cries out to him and says, hey, I need your help. Uh, this lady and I, we live together and, and she said, let's eat your son today and then next week we'll eat my son. So we ate my son and now it's time to eat her son and I can't find him. And, and, and the king, uh, he tears his clothes and this, I love this, this is what he says. God do so to me and more also if the head of Elisha, now he's the prophet, the son of Saphath remains on him today. You know, when people get mad at God, do you know who they take it out against? They take it out against God's representatives. You know, when the people are mad at God, they say, let's stone Moses. And you're going to have people that are mad at God and they're going to want to take it out on you. So he said, let's go kill the prophet. And the king said, surely this calamity is from the Lord. And why should we wait for God any longer? So when he shows up at the prophet's house, literally planning to have his head taken off, the prophet says, tomorrow, at this time, God's going to move for you. And this is what God says. God says, tomorrow, in the gates of the city, food is going to be sold at normal prices. And then there's a guy who's with the king, and he says, oh, man, if God were to open the windows of heaven, that couldn't happen. And the prophet said, you'll see it, but you won't eat of it. There's some lepers outside the city, and they say, why do we just sit here if we die? If we go in the city, we're going to die. And if we go to the enemy camp, maybe we die, but maybe they'll feed us. So they go. They go to the camp of the enemy, and as they arrive, they find it empty. And the Bible says God caused them to hear what they thought was an army from Egypt coming, and they took off running and left everything. And that next day, in the city gates, 
Food was sold at normal prices. And as the people are running out, they literally trample to death the man who said, if God would open the windows of heaven, could such a thing be? And the prophet had said, well, you'll see it, but you won't eat it. How many of you realize that when, for, for God's benefits to flow into your life and my life, we need to believe it? You know, Job, I, I, I hear so many people say, well, I'm just Job, I'm Job, I'm Job. I've just got all Job's problems. And Job had a lot of problems, right? Uh, he lost all of his goods. He lost his kids. And then he loses his health. And uh, he's just got boils from the crown of his head, the Bible says, to the soles of his feet. And he's sitting in some dust, and he's got a piece of broken pottery, and he's scratching the boils, and the pus is coming out. And this is what he said. He said about God, he said, he destroys the blameless and the wicked. If the scourge suddenly slays, he laughs at the plight of the wicked. The earth is given into the hands of the wicked. He covers the faces of the judges. And if it is not he, who else could it be? Uh, I remember the Spanish translations, which says, Si no es el quien es y donde está. If it's not God, who is it and where is he? Well, let me just tell you, it's not God, it's the devil. The Bible says the devil smote Job with sore boils from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. It wasn't God, it was the devil. Who is he? It's the devil. Where is he? The Bible says he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It's not God that brought the affliction on Job, it was the devil. In fact, the Bible says God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save men's lives. He didn't come to destroy your life. He came to save your life. If you look at the first two chapters in the book of Genesis, you find God creates this beautiful, beautiful place. Adam and Eve are put in this beautiful garden. And every day, God comes down and walks and talks with Adam and Eve, and they're in great fellowship. Genesis 1 and 2. Chapter 3, Satan shows up. Adam and Eve literally bow their knee to Satan. And he gets entry into the world. Now, in the Bible, in the book of Romans, it tells us that death entered the world through that one man's sin. Death, sin, literally sickness, disease, hurricanes, rape, prejudice, every evil thing you can think of, that's where it came in, right there, right there. Now, we get rid of the devil in Revelation chapter 20, in verse 10, he gets thrown into the lake of fire. And this is what the next ch chapter says. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The new heaven means a new atmosphere, a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There's no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, once you look at me, everybody 
is going to live forever. You're going to live forever because you're a spirit. The real you is a spirit. Some people are going to live forever separated from God. And some people are going to live forever with God. Now, notice that John says, I saw the new Jerusalem. That's the place that God lives. Come down from heaven to earth. Heaven is not floating around on a cloud wearing a harp with little naked babies with bow and arrows floating around. Heaven is going to be right here. Now, you say, ooh, I never heard that before. Uh, literally, I, I don't care if you're Baptist, if you're Catholic, if you're Episcopal, uh, Reform, whatever you are, that's what all of us believe. All of us. He said, I never heard that before. Well, now you've heard it. <laughs> and it's in your Bible. Right? That's why we believe it. It's in your Bible. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He'll do well with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Listen. Between Genesis chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 21, you got the devil running around. And when we get rid of him, we get right back where we were before in right relationship with God, right? And there is no more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, because all that stuff the devil brought, it is gone. And once again, by the way, what the Bible calls this is the kingdom of God in full manifestation. The kingdom in full manifestation. This is what Jesus said. Well, Adam bows his knee to Satan. And really, Romans says he let death and every evil thing that we can think of into the world. Je Jesus is being tempted by the devil. He takes him up and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said, all this authority is given to me in their glory, for it's been delivered to me, and I give it to whomsoever I wish. He said, all of the glory of the kingdoms of the world, he said, it's mine, because somebody gave it to me. And by the way, it was Adam that gave it to him when he bowed his knee. He let Satan in. And it's transferable because he said, I can transfer it to you. I can give it to whoever I wish. Now, if that is not a real temptation, if it's not true what Satan said, there's no temptation. Jesus wasn't tempted. This is what Jesus said about the devil. He said, the ruler of this world is coming, speaking of Satan, and he has nothing in me. Jesus called Satan the ruler of this world. He's talking about this world system, not planet Earth, because the Earth is the Lord's. All right? But the world system that we live in. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan is called the God of this age. And that he blinds people's minds so they cannot comprehend the gospel. 1 John 5, 19, we know positively that we are of God. And the whole world around us is under the power 
of the evil one. The whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. I've got several translations of this. It says, the whole world lies under the misery and influence of the evil one. The devil's the one that brings misery. The voice translation, the world around us is in the grip of the evil one. Another translation, the whole world belongs to the devil. How many know that makes it pretty clear? That world that's out there, it's under his control. Transition says, under the control of the evil one. He's under the rule, another says, of the evil one. Now, again, people think God is responsible, but God is really working to turn this whole situation around. And God can take even something where we're a mess. And because we're a mess doesn't mean that God discards us. You know, David is up on his rooftop one day and he looks over and sees somebody taking a bath. Probably not a great place on the roof. And he calls and they bring her over to his house. Her name's Bathsheba. They have an adulterous affair. She gets pregnant. He has her husband killed so nobody will find out. He repents. And then God said this. David comforted Bathsheba, his wife. He went into her, lay with her. She bare a son. It's called his name Solomon. For the Lord loved him. In fact, God sent by the hand of Nathan the prophet and called his name Jenadab because of the Lord. It literally means the one who's loved by the Lord. Now, David and Bathsheba made a mess of things. Adultery, murder, it's a mess. But you know what? Because you made a mess of your life does not mean that God's going to take and throw you away. That God's mad at you and he's withholding everything from you. It doesn't mean that your kids are going to be a mess forever. Right? You may say, well, my parents didn't even want me. I was just a result of, of uh, an affair. I was a result of rape. Well, your parents didn't want you. You may not have been planned by them, but you were planned by God, and God wants you. Right. Right. doesn't matter where you came from. God said he'll be with you through those situations. When you pass through the water, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18, says, All these things are of God who brought us back to himself through what Jesus Christ did. He brought humanity back into a place where they could come into relationship with God. And God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled to him. Now, this is what I want you to hear. For God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting or holding men's sins against them, but blotting them out. God is not holding your sins against you. 
So many people think, well, God won't bless me. God won't answer my prayers. God's mad at me. The reason I've got all these problems is what I have done. God is not the one who's bringing that difficulty into your life. And God has not turned his back on you. And God is not holding your sins against you. Because Jesus paid for your sin. At the cross, the Bible says that God took all of your sin and all your vileness and he put it into Jesus. And he took the goodness, which the Bible calls righteousness, that is in Jesus. And when you receive Jesus, he puts that into you. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That you might be made what? The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So often God is blamed for so many things. Luke 13, 16. Jesus is in the synagogue. There is a woman who is bent over and for 18 years has not been able to raise herself up. And Jesus looks at her and goes over to her and lays his hands on her and said, be loose of your infirmity. And immediately she's made straight. The ruler of the synagogue says, hey, don't be healing anybody on a Sabbath day. You do it some other day. And Jesus said, well, you hypocrite. He said, if your donkey fell in a pit, you'd go and loose him on a Sabbath day. You'd go get him out. He says, and ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 years, be loosed from her bond on the Sabbath day. You know, so many people think, well, it's God doing all this stuff. It's not. It's not. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Now, Jesus, everybody he healed was oppressed by who? The devil. Now, that doesn't mean they had a demon. That means that sin and sickness came into the world when Adam and Eve sinned and came under Satan's domain. Jesus not one time said to anybody, well, God's teaching you, God's testing you, God's punishing you. No, no, everybody who came to him, he ministered to, he set them free. Now, if you're building a house and your foundation is off, the higher you build, the farther off it gets. If you're just 1% off, on the first floor, but you're 2% off on the next floor. And then you're 4% off on the third floor. And you're 8% off when you get to the fourth floor. And the higher you go, the farther off you get. And whatever you believe about God that is not true, the higher you go, the more you live, the keep on building on that thing, the farther you get from what God is truly, truly like. See, he is, well, G- Hebrews 1, 3. He is the sole expression of the glory of God. He's the sole expression. 
Not me, not you, not somebody else, not, not even Moses, right? not the prophet Elijah. In fact, when, when the, the disciples of Jesus tried to do something that Elijah did, this is what he said. He said, you don't even know what spirit you're of. He said, it's the wrong spirit. It's the wrong spirit. Jesus is the sole expression of the glory of God, the outray of the radiance of the divine. And he is the perfect imprint, the very image of God's nature. So you want to know what God's like? You look at Jesus. He is a perfect expression of God the Father. He is perfect theology. Perfect Say, if this message touched your heart and you really realize you're not where you should be with God or you're not right with God, I'd like to pray a prayer with you. And I'd like to lead you in a prayer to surrender your life to Jesus and to receive the forgiveness that he has for you. Would you just bow your head and just pray these words out loud from your heart. Just make them your own. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again, and I believe he's coming again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back, and I receive the forgiveness that you have for me. I thank you I'm forgiven. I'm a part of your family. On my way to heaven, in Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer from your heart, we believe that you are saved, that you're right with God, that you're on your way to heaven. Now, I wrote a book to help you keep growing spiritually. I want to send it to you absolutely free of charge. You can download that book or you can get contact us and we will get you a hard copy. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. We love you. We pray for you. and God bless you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. How awesome. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you or download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Today's program is available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV by searching Walking by Faith. Or you can check out our app where you can download any message for easy offline listening. There are so many ways to give during the holiday season, but if Walking by Faith has been a blessing to you, I'd like to give you a special opportunity to give back and help us as we change lives with the truth of God's Word all around the world. Please take a moment to give us a call or go online to make a year-end gift. 100% of your gift will be used to change lives all around the world. Thank you and God bless. If you need someone to pray with or God is just doing amazing things in your life, we would love to hear about it. You can contact us by phone, email, or through our app. Also, find us on your favorite social platform by searching WBF-TV. We'll finish this message up next week, so you want to be sure to tune in. We'll see you then.